Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. DWA-517, do you want to report a UFO? Negative. We don't want to report. Aries 31, do you wish to report a UFO? Over. We want to report one of those either. Uh, Aries 31, do you wish to file a report of any kind of it? I wouldn't know what kind of report to file, sir. Uh, Aries 31, uh, me neither. Number 71, pop the golf, good. Yeah, was anybody uh, above us that passed us like 30 seconds ago? Number 71, pop the golf, negative. Okay. Off this. A UFO. Yeah. Hey, it's American 295. Yeah, something just passed over. It's uh, like a, don't know what it was, but it's from at least two, three thousand feet above us. So yeah, it passed right over the top of us. 911. You guys busy? Yeah. Did we just call about the UFOs we saw? Mm hmm. They're out there. Taking yeah. airplanes. Got a dispatch. Okay. Bob, I swear to God, four Welcome to UFO Chronicles, a place where people share their experiences of the strange and unexplained. If you've had an encounter and would like to be on the show, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com. everyone and welcome to the show wherever in the world you are listening from i hope you all are well i'm nick hunter and you are listening to the ufo chronicles podcast we start off tonight with elise in michigan and elise will be sharing her sightings of free glowing orbs in a triangular shape and she has also experienced paranormal activity on and off for 19 years anomalies that cannot be explained. Then we head across to the state of Pennsylvania to hear about William's daytime sighting of a beam ship and several other UFOs, out-of-the-body experiences and several other unexplained events. Elise up next. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to help support my work, there is a couple of ways to do this. Either you can join Patreon and become a patron of the show for as little as $5 a month or you can donate via PayPal. And if you like, you can set up monthly reoccurring payments. All links to support the podcast are below in the show notes and on the website. Any help is extremely appreciated and it helps the show to continue running. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Thank you for coming on today, and you're calling from Michigan in the United States. Yes, I am. Wonderful. Now, Elise, you have some experiences to share with us. Would you like to start at the beginning, please? Sure. I'll start with the UFO one. I can say that um, I was hanging out with a newer friend, and it was... 
I would say, I don't know, we've known each other for like a, a few months, but we really connected because we uh, kind of were in conspiracies, you would call it today. And we just was sharing a lot of information that, you know, you just can't talk to normal people about. Like we really connected on a lot of stories and just being able to like share one another, like what we all know. And like, it's almost like putting the puzzle together of just how, you know, how does this tie in with that? And he was staying at my house. And I mean, at the time, uh, I was 22 and now I'm 31. So this was nine years ago. Still a young one, but you know, uh, me and him, we're engaging in uh, like, uh, you know, what you would call a THC or whatnot. And that was about it. Like, we weren't even high off of that, but my mom's house, because that's where I was staying at, she had a bathhouse, so like a separate headquarters in the backyard of her house. And she had like a nice four lot, big backyard. It was beautiful. It had like an in ground pool. There's two like bathhouses, you would say. One was for like the pool equipment and the other one was the living headquarters, which I was renting out from my mom and my stepdad. And we would hang out in, you know, my area, but we went into my mom's house and as we were walking out, um, when you walk out of her backyard, you immediately see where my guest house is straight in front. In front and uh, then you see like the uh, Olympian in-ground pool in front of it. And then on your right side, there's that other bathhouse kitty cornered with it. And then you just kind of have like, you know, nice, large, private fence. It was dark, I would say about like midnight-ish. No, not even midnight-ish, maybe like 11. And I mean, like I said, we've been talking, you know, a few weeks of just about crazy stuff and... I don't know exactly what the conversation was, but as we were walking out of my mom's back door into like my guest house, we seen these three glowing orange balls in like a triangular shape, not triangular, but how the form was. So you have like two and then one on the bottom. And it was at least 70 to 80 feet to our right side of like right above us. And I mean, we both seen it. And I mean, by the blink of an eye, it was gone. There was no way it was like a street light, like a reflection from a headlight. Because, you know, you're trying to like comprehend what you just seen and like justify it by not being crazy. You know, you just talked about crazy stuff. So, but the thing was, it was just, it was so, it was just 75 feet in the air in the dark. I mean, you could really like really see it. I mean, it had like a glowing orange on the outside and then it would kind of go like yellow and then like maybe even like little drips of like I don't want to say red or deeper orange but almost as if they were um kind of textured but they're just and I want to say like the glowing balls were probably the size of a grapefruit I would imagine yeah grapefruit pomegranate something like along that description it was just it was so weird honestly I knew and I've never seen one before I mean we've seen shooting stars you know is that a plane or but this one this one was just it just kind of shook me up and I mean I even remembered writing it down in my little uh kind of scrapbook journal and I even put it UFO May 17th 2012 and his name was Brandon. 
I mean, even till this day, sometimes we'll still catch back. Like, man, you remember that time we seen that? Well, yeah. And even then, it's you hear stories about other people seeing it and having different experiences. But then I've heard the same experience as well, where it's a glow, an orange glow of light. And I can say that, like, my mom's property is in a very small city. But the city kind of has, you have like a quarry, you have a landfill, it's right at like not too far from like the Detroit River. The house that that was built there was very old brick. I believe like the guy that had built schools around the city like built that house as well. So it was built there for a while. And I know I've even heard like small rumors that was like an Indian grave site. But it wasn't like something, I guess, a rumor I would indulge in or even really looked up at that time. I was only like 13 when we kind of 12, 13 when we moved there. So it was one of those things to where it's hard to say like what could have brought that because I haven't seen one since, but there has been different weird um, things. You just can't call coincidences. That house that I'm talking about, my mom, I've had three or four family members pass away in there. The house ended up kind of becoming pretty um, pretty active just on energies. I mean, I would say I can't, mm, paranormal experience, I want to say maybe happened before the UFO. But there's just, I have so many of those that that would take a whole series. It's just uh, the UFO one, it, it just startled me and I try not to talk about it with too many people but now that you know the Pentagon gets to say it's real now you can kind of talk about it without you know being shunned from your uh, group of friends or family and it's just it's really interesting because writing this down my dad passed away um exactly three years after seeing that UFO on May 17th. And I didn't notice this uh, coincidence probably until like a year as I'm kind of just going through journals and clean, you know, going through stuff during um, being locked down. And I noticed that I wrote that in and it was the same, not year, but the same date, May 17th. So that kind of gives me goosebumps where... You know, just kind of how, uh, is it, you know, is it a simulation playing a trick? You know, kind of how that worked out. So it's just, it's an interesting story. Cause I mean, for those dates and even then, like my mom's house, um, activity, it's just a very active spot. But with the UFO story, I mean, that's really much I could go by. Like, I didn't see it since. It wasn't. It wasn't anything that occurred or even come close. You said the, uh, the the size of the balls were about the size of a grapefruit? Yeah, a little bigger than a softball, like a grapefruit. Okay. Were they, were they moving independent of each other? Did they keep the same, the same shape or were they all moving around independently? The, yep, they were all exactly the same shape, same color. I'm trying to think if the bottom one would have been a little bit smaller, but no, it wasn't. And you said it kept a, a triangle shape? Yes. 
Okay. And was the was the movement erratic or was it more of a case of it was there one minute, gone the next? Yeah, so there the one I would say two seconds, not even. And you didn't see it just like flat, like it just disappeared. Right, right. And there's there's there was no no light defects, no no street lights, no car headlights, nothing like that. It was basically what you saw. Yeah, because the way it was positioned in the sky, even if the car, because we live on like flat land, it's not like there's mountains. Even if you were to drive down the street, like where my mom lives in our backyard is based, the other side of the road to all the way to the right is what would be going in that direction. And then the other side that's closer to the street for the other way that's closer to my mom's backyard, it's going towards like the complete opposite way. So, cause of course, you know, you would think like maybe headlights, but I never seen headlights reflect in two, like in three, you know, orange glowing balls. The way the bat, the second bathhouse was, they had this nice tile uh, window that was kind of put into the side of it for like the weather. Even if there was a light reflection off that, that could have been, it It just would have been, I think, and I'm not a scientist or a physicist, but I believe it would be just physically impossible for that to just kind of occur like that. Because this was like in 2012, so it's not even like there were drones or, it's just one of those things where like you do, look for something to justify this in your head. Whoa, what, you know, what is this? Kind of thinking like, okay, um, you know, you're looking around, like, is this a prank? What is this? But it couldn't be explained from here. Just one of those strange events. And you, you said, you said you'd experience some paranormal activity on the property as well. Yeah, I have. And even my brother, family, yeah, because the paranormal activity did happen before the UFO, now that I think about it, because my uh, brother, he's nine years older than me, and he was facing some hardship, you know, lived at my mom's house. Well, so she lived on a ranch. There was no basement, no upstairs. Everything's one level, big garage, it's like a three, four car garage. And the bedrooms were all on the same end of the house. And you have a bathroom like in the middle. And me and him, it was really late too. I want to say like around two or something. And my mom, she married my stepdad. He was a lot older than her. So she would just kind of party to just numb her pain away. So my mom was just kind of gone. And usually, like me and my brother would just wait up for it, you know, make sure they got home or, you know, just kind of stuff like that. So I'm in the back, way back bedroom. And my brother was in the living room kitchen area where like the bathrooms are all that. And I mean, the walls aren't completely thin, but I mean, there, you can, you know, you can hear if there's any movement talking or anything kind of going at least within the kitchen bathroom area, not the garage, but through that you can at least hear movement steps or whatnot. Well, the bathroom, other wall, of the closet in my bedroom. So my bedrooms, closet, and the bathroom probably, like, you know, share the same, like, wall. And I heard talking, and I, I literally heard my brother talking on the phone. And it sounded like his girlfriend at the time, Candace, because I heard a woman's voice in the background, too. And it was like almost, I couldn't exactly make out what they were saying, but you could just hear them talking. 
And I, you know, and I'm not really thinking of it because, you know, like my brother's talking to his girlfriend, like, who, you know, well, my brother comes in and he's like, Elise, who are you talking to? And I'm like, what do you mean, Jeremy? He was like, were, were you talking to me? I'm like, I thought you were on the phone with Candace. And you made him look at each other with this, this stare of like, no, like, are you like, are you like, are you messing with me right now? Not like, you know, you're no, no, no. Well, me and him got so spooked out. We ended up like sleeping in the garage until my mom got home. <laughs> and that's not even like, a, that's, that's just like, that's just like the first when it really started kind of happening. Cause you would have these moments where you just feel like you're in the living room, fall asleep to TV on the couch or whatnot. And you just feel stuff like breathing over you. Or you would hear these footsteps that were like, Seriously, you would think someone's walking across the living room and you would look over and no one's there. And I was like, okay. And then one time in the attic, we heard footsteps banging in the attic. And it wasn't like there's construction. This was like in the middle of the night. So it came to the point where like, we know, we would have to say a couple of scriptures from the Bible. And it wasn't even like it was that house. We moved to this house up north in the country part, and me and my brother were talking about the incident that happened in Riverview, kind of like reminiscing on how, you know, that is. And we kind of felt like the new place that we moved into was just a little, little sketch. You know, you could just feel like a little bit of the air pockets are different, just a little, felt like the little energy was off. So he goes downstairs, two bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs, and then you go downstairs to another couple bedrooms, the kitchen, living room. So it was kind of a tri-level, but it was like a bungalow. That's what I want to say. So I had like a bungalow kind of that style where you have like the stuff upstairs. And those stairs are kind of long. You got to go through like two flight stairs to get in. So when he goes down there to get something to drink, I would say, and I mean, I was paying attention because I'm, He's getting something to drink. I'm like waiting for him to come back real quick. Well, he came back quick with no drinks and his eyes were almost out of his head and he just looked pale. And I'm like, what, Jeremy? And he was like, at least come downstairs. And I'm like, okay, like what's going on? So as we're walking down the stairs, every cabinet in the kitchen was open and the drawers were pulled out. Everything was pretty much open except the refrigerator and the microwave door and the oven. But everything else, I'm talking like all the cabinets in this kind of, you know, bigger kitchen. Everything, what was weird was everything was open precisely. My brother didn't have the time or I would have heard it for everything to just open like that. Because the microwave... Uh, was on this little dresser type thing and those little drawers were open but not the microwave it was just one of those people I like started crying I woke up my mom we had to like call my uncle who was like a Jehovah's Witness say a prayer and it was just one of those but that like I cried like I was so freaked out because the thing was I just knew it wasn't my brother he wasn't down there that long and this you know we were just talking about some stuff and all of a sudden like this happened and come to find out I kind of made friends with the landlord that the people's house were running from up there I made friends with the son and he's told me that that house has had 
creepy stuff. And even the uh, the tenants before us had mentioned or mentioned it to you know them. And so it was just either like one of those things where I was feeling like, oh my god, am I haunted? Or it just seems like every house nowadays are haunted or do different energies of people stir up, you know, settled dust that just, I don't know how to explain it, but those are just a couple of the occurrences. Like there's way more, but I'm just trying to get to like the timeline of most recent kind of on, you know, like not recent, but you know, like the first sequence of just kind of how this all started. He is, you know, a lot of places are haunted. There are many houses out there which have had endless amounts of people live there over the years, their energies, you know, they've lived there, they've died there in a lot of the cases. But, you know, a lot of people, they don't leave, you know, they stay there. Even getting stuff from a thrift store or having something where maybe something went, like a lot of that carries with like belongings. And my dad, like I said, like I was kind of, I didn't even say I was raised as Joe's witness. So we never got into any type of that. But my dad was very superstitious about what you bring in your home. Because some stuff does have a bad, a bad, uh, bad vibe with it. Yeah, absolutely right. I had a guest on not so long ago. And, um, and what she used to do is she used to work out of a studio. She was an artist and she used to buy the old picture frames these pictures from thrift shops and places like that, take out the picture and and then put her own art in there and then sell, you know, sell them with these frames. And she would say she would buy these really old frames and then she'd have activity that would start happening in her, in her house. And then as soon as she, she'd done it and she sold it on and that's it, things stop. Yeah. And I'm not the one that is going to start staging. Like, I don't, like, I do have a couple cool crystals because I like to collect rocks. I like, I mean, I just, I love seashells. I love just geology in general. But there's people that, you know, try to do these sacraments or these blessings and they don't know what they're doing. And it's almost, it's not exactly stopping. I can't say it's letting more in, but it's almost as if you acknowledge it, you give it power. If you, think it's good or bad in a way it can deceive you on both sides so i i just try not to think of it as bad or good positive or negative i just try to look at it okay well something wants to say hello or but even i had some really recent ones happening and i contacted um paranormal investigator to see if they i just wanted to honestly look for like an energy reader not like maybe even with the emf reader or something just just someone like i don't want to know if it's kind or who i don't want to meet him i just wanted to just kind of have somebody that's you know familiar to maybe test an activity without disturbing it in a sense i was looking into that because i was having some crazy stuff happened and I mean this was just like a couple of years ago like the recent one was I have this cute pot it's like a glass holder and I put like a fake plant in it to like decorate my room or whatnot well you have to nail these three little nails into this hook to hold it and right when it hit Halloween the thing just projected off my wall and and I was staring kind of like right at it because where my TV is and how my bed was positioned is where you could see it like on the wall. So 
something was to just kind of get loose and just kind of fall. It would just just fall. This just projected out. And the thing is, the hook and the hole and how it holds, you have to turn it for it to come off of the hook like that. And it just flew like without the hook was, of course, there. But the way it was, it's just funny because I'm so used to it that I just barely bat an eyelash. It's almost like, ha, you know, like I'm not scared. I'm okay, whatever. I have to pick this up now. But. And then dishes, I've had my dishes just like fly like right across my kitchen. Um, and it, They're in my dish rack and they would just kind of like fly onto the floor. It even happened in my son's room where there was um, a dish next to his dresser on the TV and the Xbox. I mean, and this is like a long dresser. This isn't just like one of those chests. Like the long dresser with the mirror. I heard the plate just, I, I literally, it wasn't a fall. It sounded like someone threw this plate. And for a second, because I told you I have cats, I thought it was the cats. I'm like, what, you know, these darn cats, I go upstairs, like, what, you know, what, no one was in there. And there wasn't like a breeze blowing. It wasn't like there was stuff all over and it just knocked it off. He was broken plate. And I'm just sitting here like, what could have caused this? My son wasn't home. Uh, the cats weren't in the room. It was just me, and it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I better get a hold of this paranormal person. And, I mean, we briefly talked or whatnot, but I just kind of, once, once like, the New Year's hit, because this was in the time period of October, November, December, so, like, I was having those experiences through that time. But, like, when New Year's hit, I wanted to just kind of not even care. and. I didn't want to be, like, all dragged up into this, like, investigation of the ether that's obviously noticing me because I'm staring at it. So I didn't, I just didn't want to disturb it. And really since, I guess it's only been, like, a couple weeks since I've had, like, my last paranormal activity. And this one was weird, too. I was talking to someone on the phone in the fire, my fire pit. Everything just ablaze, just randomly, just everything caught on fire. And it wasn't like I moved it to where, like, you know, then the light hit where I can have this magnify. Like, no, like, I was just on the phone talking about, like, electric forest and how a friend should have a spiritual, you know, go on a spiritual experience. And I'm sitting in front of my, like, fire pit. And, yeah, things went in flames. And I was telling them earlier that, yeah, I'm kind of having a little bit of, like, paranormal activity stuff again happening. But nothing, it's, I'm not scared of it. I can tell you that, honestly. At this point, I just kind of find it funny. Most people wouldn't. And I try to warn most people that hang out with me for long periods of time that, like, unexplainable things may happen. And I just wanted to, like, give them, like, a heads up. So... They don't, you know, they're not. So just so they know, you because know, I feel like that's a proper warning when you when you hang out with people to maybe, you know, let them know, like, hey, something may fly across the room, but don't be alarmed. Like, it happens, you know, every, uh, every blue moon. <laughs> I don't know. Just be aware. Sometimes strange things happen. Yeah, I just try to give, like, a little caution. That's great, Elise. Thank you. Elise, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that for our listeners. Oh, no, I appreciate telling the story, honestly. 
it feels good to kind of get it off your chest, you know, pro, you know, kind of cuts in half. It does help. And, and like I say, you know, and other people listening to the show will hear your episode and, you know, and a lot of times can relate. It's hard to say what's the uh, culprit of it, but definitely I have a few ideas. But yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, excited about the journey. So definitely we'll be tuning into more of your shows and good luck with everything. Thank you. That's great. Okay. All right. Great. God bless. Let, take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Introducing the High Strangeness Coffee Blend by Redacted Coffee Company, a medium roast of the Brazilian kind. This medium roast offers flavors of chocolate and vanilla combined with a distinct fruity taste and a unique sweet floral aroma. The experience of High Strangeness doesn't end there, with a sweet butter aftertaste that doesn't fade as your coffee cools. This coffee regains its flavors all the way through your cup, ensuring it truly is good to the last drop. The veteran-funded, employee-owned Redacted Coffee Company and UFO Chronicles podcast have partnered together to bring you the best coffee on and off the planet. Get 20% off your first order now at redactedcoffee.com forward slash UFO. That's redactedcoffee.com forward slash UFO. Or follow the link below in this episode's description or click on the banner of my website. This podcast is fueled by coffee oozing high strangeness. So what are you waiting for? Wake up to the strange. Hello, William, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you're calling from Philadelphia. That is correct. Northeast Philadelphia, United States. Now, William, you have some experiences to share with us. Would you like to start at the beginning, please? Uh, certainly. I would be more than happy. Uh, okay. Basically, the experiences that I've had, I'm fairly confident that other people might have had similar experiences. The experience of how it happened is what's interesting. So the first one was one month after my mother passed away. My mother passed away on June 1st, 2010. Um, she ended up sadly uh, passing fairly quickly. Uh, we, it was kind of bad. Anyway, uh, July 4th. Uh, was when we were going to have, obviously, our 4th of July, you know, being in Huntington Valley, right next to Philadelphia. They usually celebrate fairly large. Well, we, there was weather reasons. We ended up uh, celebrating on July 3rd, uh, 2010. Um, so um, here I am, first holiday without, you know, my mother or really anyone. The only people I really had were my neighbors and my dog. Well, so here I am in this, house that my family built and I'm standing in the living room and I don't know why I started doing this. It just maybe out of boredom, I don't know. But I closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes I pictured myself uh kind of leaving from the crown of my head, looking down at myself, uh going up through the ceiling, up through the rooftop, uh eventually looking over my house, uh over the neighborhood and so forth, over the state country next you know you see a blue marble uh, i ended up uh looking forward and there are uh i did the peace symbol basically in my head um the the symbol instead of being uh faced down i actually did the one that we knew as a uh the subconscious symbol which is with the fork up it's supposed to be a tree of life um 
So I pictured that in my head and I was there for about all but about four or five minutes. Uh, and then after that, I just reversed the process, uh, went back from, it felt like from orbit, uh, through into the clouds, overlooking the country, or, you know, going into the state, into the city, over to my town, over to the roof of the house, you know, through, <laughs> through the attic, through the, through the ceiling, back to the crown of my head, and I opened my eyes. I thought nothing of it. I was just bored. All of a sudden, I started hearing fireworks. I said, okay, looks like fireworks are about to happen. And out in my front yard was the best place, second best place to watch the fireworks next to being actually at the the, uh, the sports field. So everybody has their lawn chairs out in their front yard and everything. And uh, I said hello to my next door neighbors and everything. And uh, we got to talking. I remember saying, wouldn't it be cool to see what 4th of July would be like if we were looking up over the planet looking down, you know, just kind of seeing how, you know, from light going into dark and then seeing all the wonderful colors going from the north and, you know, northeast to southeast, slowly going west, and just seeing what a cool sight that might have been. And uh, I ended up just crossing my arms. He agreed with me. And I looked over my left shoulder, probably around the 10 o'clock position. And lo and behold, there was a ball of light. If you could, you could take your thumb and put it directly out in front of you and close one eye and you would see just the kind of the corona, if, if a better description, just the glowing of the outside. So it was fairly large and it was fairly low. And the best way I can describe on what I was seeing, it was dancing. Uh, if you took a laser pointer, okay, uh, and you put it to the wall and you just kind of wiggle your hand around, you just see the, you know, the laser pointer just kind of bounce around, you know, just do wild type of designs and everything it was identical to that and i'm staring at this thing now mind you fireworks are going off so everybody else's attention is at the fireworks <laughs> i'm looking at another pair of fireworks and at one point i just i couldn't hold it anymore i said everybody look where i'm looking they're like what and they looked at me i said look at me then look at where i'm looking which was again over my left shoulder 10 o'clock position all of a sudden i heard some people go oh gasping going oh wow and it happened the dancing happened for probably about another seven eight seconds and all of a sudden it just stopped and it split into two the the one that stayed on the right hand side just stayed as a just a ball of light it just stayed there it, the left the, the main part of the light bounced from the northeastern projection all the way over to about the southwestern region all within about seven seconds. So if you pointed your finger at 10 o'clock position and swung your hand, uh, your finger over your shoulder, pointing behind you to about the nine, eight o'clock position in about four to five seconds, that's how fast this thing was going. It was going very fast. And as it was moving, <laughs> I'll never forget it. The woman said, well, maybe it's a satellite. And I looked at her and I giggled as it was flying over us. I said, I said, oh, hon, satellites don't fly in pretzel designs. It, it, it just doesn't happen, <laughs> at least not to our knowledge. Anyway, after that, we all started looking back at the fireworks. The woman who said maybe it's a satellite had her kid with her, grabbed her kid and walked away. I said, ma'am, I said, the fireworks. She goes, no, we've seen enough fireworks. And she's left, which was pretty perplexed. Uh, the very next day, I ended up contacting uh, Jeffrey Strauss, uh, who was part of MUFON. Um, it was his first case, 
ironically, and I, I did have that rec- uh, recorded with them. The second experience was a little bit more perplexed. The reason why it was daytime. Uh, it wasn't nighttime. It was a crystal clear day out. I'd say like around between 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. I'm a little foggy on the exact date and time, but I do remember what bus I was on when this whole experience happened. I was in Northeast Philadelphia once again. If you guys ever want to take a look at the bus and scepter route or bus route, uh, you look up the number 28 bus. I was located heading eastbound. Uh, we were on Ron Street. That's R-H-A-W-N as in Nancy, Ron Street. Uh, heading eastbound, we were in between Castor Avenue and Roosevelt Boulevard which is basically a two to three light separation, okay, before it drops out into a main artery. Well, here I am, my back, I'm directly next to the bus driver, okay, and how the bus, this bus specifically was seated, directly behind him, okay, uh, my back would be towards the driver uh, driver side, okay, uh, You everybody knows what a bus looks like, uh, my back was actually on the window, okay, so... Here I am, and there's probably about eight to ten people on the bus. It was nowhere near crowded. We were going about 40, 45 miles an hour, nothing too crazy. And I was reading Billy Meyer information. I was very heavily in enthralled with it. As I was reading it, um, it's kind of like how much attention was I on this book? It's very similar to if you're very much into a movie or a TV show, or if you're in a really, really good book, you don't want to move. You want to finish going on to the next page or, you know, wait until at least a commercial. So I'm sitting there and I'm heavily reading. I'm very much into this information. And all of a sudden I get an impulse to stand up, go into the back of the bus, back to the driver's side, Okay, Uh, so I stood up. Mind you, the bus is moving. Nobody needs to get up because there's no stop call. So I'm just, we're just moving. (laughs) So I get up and walk towards the back of the bus, uh, sit in, sit into the back. And as soon as I was about to plant myself into the back, I looked up straight through the window and there were row homes going past me from right to left. Okay, Um, and you can Google map this. You'll see red brick row home homes uh, that have that have a gap probably once every four or five, six connected home. So it's as the buildings are going by, I see directly behind that a beam ship. It looked like a variation to beam ship. The classic one, if you've ever seen uh, the poster, it says, uh, I want to believe or something like that, that specific photo. It's that one in particular, but that photo does absolutely no justice. The beauty of this craft, everybody tries to say it looks like a polished chrome. That does not do it any kind of justice. It looks more like a melted mirror. And it was just beautifully molded into this vehicle <laughs> that was up in the air. Now, when I first saw this, you know, you immediately start checking, you know, your faculty, you know, another series of homes go by and as it goes by the backyard again the background still shows and it's still there it's there my stomach dropped like a roller coaster i know people know what that feels like that is identical to what i felt at that moment i didn't want to feel i didn't want to tell the people on the bus that oh my god and start screaming uh i was more excited than scared as it and i just kept on seeing 
the the beam ship as you know again the buildings were going by at this point i'm thinking i immediately thought of my uh friend matt who we were just talking about uh to believe my information i said no one's going to believe me i said i gotta get a photo and i just what i'm thinking to myself at this point and as soon as i had the thought and i reached for my phone my right hand into my pocket i looked down to set you know the setting for camera and i look up I see the beam shift, the building goes by, and as the building went by, it disappeared, gone. At that instant, I was absolutely heartbroken. The question's why. I felt very selfish at that point. And the reason why I felt very selfish at that point was because, A, I didn't even put a mental thought together asking permission. You know what I mean? I didn't even, like, even verbally lift it. I, You know, I... I just was selfish at that point because I, you know, everybody wants to be believed, you know, no, no one wants to be looked at like the screwball, you know, and, you know, I, I guess people who actually come out and actually talk about these situations, I think they've came to the conclusion, at least I have, that you would say, do you know what, F them and anyone who else who doesn't believe me. It, it happened. It just is, you know, with truth, there's positive truth, you know, there's and then there's ugly truth. Then there's, and either way, it's just truth. It just is. And that is what happened. I immediately got off the bus. I immediately called Matt. I said, I saw it. He's like, saw what? I said, I saw it. Because I talked about the Billy Meyer information quite often. I tried to spread the message about him as much as possible. I am not a FIDU member. I am a friend of. And I know this is concrete information uh, for from personal verification on through what I've read and published versus what has transpired in, in my life so far. But yeah, those were the two, um, two experiences that I've had that I was uh, wanting to share. And was that the, the only time since you had seen uh, a beam ship? Uh, in the daytime, yes. There was one time in 2014 and 15, I couldn't remember the exact date, I was in Northeast Philadelphia at a store. It was a smoke shop called JJ Smoke and Vape Shop. I used to work in the vape side of things. And I remember seeing a, uh, it was a gray spot up in the air, was not flying. It was just there. And I had a fellow witness with me. She was a customer who ended up locking her keys in the car. <laughs> so we ended up going to the parking lot. And that's actually how we got out of the store. And I saw that. I ended up looking up in the sky. I said, "Did you? are you seeing what I'm seeing? And she said yes, you know, but there was nothing as in detail as what I saw on, on uh, that. I, I want to say it was September 18, 2012. I want to say that's the date, but uh, it was definitely 2012. I got off. Uh, I got off at the bus and I was hoping for it to reappear. Uh, I immediately got off the bus stop off of uh, Ron and Roosevelt Boulevard, uh, Route 1. Uh, there was a Wawa, which is a uh, a convenience store uh, that's up in the Northeast region. Kind of like a 7-Eleven, but way better. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that it would come back it, some, in some way, shape, or form. I, I have had, uh, as I was stating, that I had personal confirmation. Um, I don't know if you'll edit this part or not, <laughs> but it's what happened. It's kind of paranormal. Um, but it is regarding with the Edward Meyer information. And I promise, 
after these stories that I state, if there's any other experiences that I've had, I will be my my lips will be buttoned. I will never ever share them again. Just for personal reasons, I, I feel um, you know if there was anything they were ever going to use any. I, I don't know, it, you know, if there was any going to be any type of uh, meeting, which I'll say 10 times out of 10, it won't happen. But um, if there was any time there was going to be any type of, uh, I don't know, if there was ever a contact human being versus a human being who isn't from here, you know, um, obviously they wouldn't want to broadcast it over <laughs> all around the world. Right. But I, my lips will be absolutely buttoned for me at uh, this moment forward. But this one, uh, I was on, ironically, in Philadelphia, Welsh on a Boulevard. It was, a, I just bought the Goblet of Truth. Uh, it's a book, and the information that's actually in this book is apparently is all the previous prophets that were on the planet merged into one book. Something amazing. Anyway, I brought it out of my house, and I usually had about a good three or four hours that I was able to spend with myself, and I used to go to the diner for about seven years straight by myself. And uh, there would be time where I'd play, you know, uh, PUBG, you know, you know, first-person shooter games, or I would read. Uh, um, there was times where um, the information is so riveting, and so it hits a part of you that really just rings true. I, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Anyway, I brought the book outside of the, uh, the house, and I'm sitting there. And uh, as soon as I opened it, I looked at, you know, it's, it's a fairly large book. Um, and I don't know why I did this. I just did. I, maybe just to honor the information that was there. I took the book, put it to my forehead. I put it down. And I started opening the book. And I started to read. One side is German, uh, and the other side is English. Um, and I started to read. Now, there was, it was around 6, 6.30 a.m. at this time. Okay, so the only people that were really there... Uh, were was the managers okay uh, that you know and the cooks the waitresses uh, and waiters and myself okay there was nobody else in there I, you can count probably about a total of five six people in total in the whole building well I'm reading this information and all of a sudden I felt an arm go over me okay uh, going from left to right shoulder like someone kind of just walked up like hey what's up bud and kind of put your arm around you what made it weird <laughs> is that um, it's in a booth, okay? There, there, there's a window uh, booth, okay? Uh, then there's an island where it's a split booth, basically for privacy. There's kind of like a little wall that has like a little half booth on one side and then a half booth on the other. Well, uh, it's a two-person seater, uh, one, one across from each other, of course. So I'm sitting there, and I look and there's obviously a wall so there it would be physically impossible for anybody to put their arm <laughs> around you and at first i thought it was a gentleman named of andrew uh, i thought he might have came from behind the seat and just kind of put his arm around me because i'd known him for that long and i thought he was just saying you know what's up so i nonchalantly look over my right shoulder and there's nothing there immediate moment i knew exactly what happened and I just smirked to myself and nodded. And I said, you know, hello. And I, maybe it was, call it what you will, okay? Um, I've never done any type of hard type of drugs in my life. I was a firefighter. <laughs> I ran ambulance in my time. <laughs> and for that experience to actually have taken place, and then um, I've ended up hearing stories from other people that have had 
something cousin to, or at least relative to. If you ever look at the show uh, Destination Truth, and this actually has a great example of what I was trying to explain. Uh, ironically, season three about Easter Island, they are supposedly wanted to shed truth on supposedly mysterious topics when there was an actual beam ship that was right in front of them <laughs> at nighttime. And it had video of it going from all the way down to the horizon of the ocean, all the way to the beach where the Moais are going back and forth. And not one person, when they went to reveal the evidence, not one person, the gentleman's name was Josh, uh, Josh Gates, I believe his name is, didn't bring it up once. How the heck do you have a show called Destination Truth when the most weird thing happened to you minus seeing big heads on beach you end up seeing this ball of light that had a silhouette of uh, if you end up it's the one that has like the rivets around it not the one that looks like the wedding cake it's the other one anyway it was this silhouette the same glowy iridescence that i remember in july of 2010 showing me on tv screen just boom, right there. And it the, the shape of it was absolutely perfect. And it was literally about two or three minutes of this, like, you know, obviously shooting back and forth to the, to the uh, investigators that were on the beach, but clear detail of the actual movement of what a beam ship is. Like, it's boom, alive, right in front of your face. Don't pass go, don't click $200, pure truth. You could not, you could not. Photoshop this, not it, no. It, it, it physically is. I, I just I, I would challenge anyone try to replicate it. They'll probably get something similar, but it won't be exact. No way, no way, shape, or form. But anyway, what happened was immediately after the beam ship disappeared back over to the horizon of the ocean, the guy who was the medic for the team started freaking out and started throwing his camera equipment everywhere and throwing his shirt off. He's saying, what's going on? He goes, he goes, someone's touching me. Someone's putting their hands all over me. And it's the best way I know how to describe it. You know, obviously, um, mine wasn't as abrupt as that. It was an arm, uh, you know, arm around the shoulder. But to actually feel a human presence, to actually feel, you know, someone put their hands on you, you know what that feels like. You know, and you can close your eyes for a thousand days and someone puts their arm on you. You know someone put their arm on you, <laughs> especially when they're touching on your chest and I guess belly and back. That would, that, it, it would, it would threw me through a loop too. But yes, it, if you ever wanted to see it or uh, get a clip of it, Nick, I'm telling you, it's worth uh, watching this. You don't even have to watch the whole show. Fast forward to 10 minutes, 10 seconds, and just press play. You, It's right there in front of you. Yeah, I'll check it out. And that was uh, Destination Truth. Yes. Uh, season three, Easter Island. It's the last episode. Of, I think it's season, uh, episode 13, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I'll check it out. I think I've watched a few of them. I don't, I don't remember that one, though. Very, very. My jaw dropped when I saw it. And I was so angry at the team that they didn't bring it up during evidence. Someone must have contacted them saying, do not talk about this or else. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, has he had his stuff removed from sci-fi. You know what I mean? It, same, it was the same um, program channel, you know, or the same channel at the time. Uh, but to actually see it 
and with the same type of iridescence, the same type of movement, of course, with a lot broader perspective since they had a whole horizon of ocean <laughs> in front of them. And it looked pitch dark, but you can tell that they were on beach. Yeah, man. It, it, absolutely riveting. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Um, so this, after your experiences, this, this made you a believer? Were you a believer first? Okay, a believer. It, it's one of those things where there's belief and then there's no. And when someone goes on onto an airplane, do you want to know if that pilot believes they can fly or know they can fly? Um, I'm on the direction of I know. I know firsthand. Um, I'm very thankful that this lifetime I was able to have this eye-opening. Uh, no, when I was when I was younger, I'd say the first time I was ever introduced to any type of UFO, anything, was when I was in the fire department. Uh, my assistant, the assistant chief at my fire department, showed me a VHS tape that looked like it was copied over about ten different times. And he actually had the video, the metal, where he was able to crush in his hand and actually it would snap back to like regular, just flat. And he, they were able to crunch it in their hand and then they let it go and it would snap back. It was really cool. Yeah, that was the first. And mind you, after when I saw that, it was, I didn't, it didn't stick with me. It didn't, you know what I mean? And it's not like, wow, you know, it was really out there. It just was like, okay, wow, that's interesting. Moving on. You know, I still got to learn <laughs> about what exactly is a, uh, you know, what's an attack line versus a supply line on a fire truck. <laughs> There's a thing called a junior firefighter and versus being a senior firefighter. Uh, and I was currently going to school at that time uh, to be a full threat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at 19, I had, uh, I guess, I don't know why it didn't stick with me. I was 19 in Echo, New Jersey. Uh, this is around 1998. There was a thing called the Echo Ghost, Okay. Uh, you would go off to 73 South and uh, Echo, New Jersey, and you would break off into a split called Burnt Mill Road, and you would shoot down. And there was a little history of a ghost and everything. Well, every time I went down with people and friends, they would freak themselves out to the point that I would have to leave them, you know, like take them back home. Well, one time I was fed up and I went back by myself. What you think the outcome's going to be was not what ended up happening, which was really cool. So here I am. I'm expecting a ghost at this point. I'm completely ignorant at this point. I didn't know anything. All I know is that I wanted some type of proof. Well, I'm sitting there for about 45 minutes and it's pitch black. There is nothing but woods, pine barrens, uh, from on and like a drag strip of road that's probably about three miles straight. Okay. Probably about a total of three or four houses on the whole thing. And it was it was one of those things where you were able to see what was going on. There was only one uh, traffic light or basically a, a, a light that was halfway down. Um, that was the only light minus the moon glow from the sky. Uh, so you can kind of still see where your bearings were. Okay. Uh, but I was sitting there for about 45 minutes. And finally, I just spoke inwards to myself stating exactly this. I just want to know the truth. I said, you can actually go through me to know that I'm not scared. I just want to know. I said, the real questions of why are we here? What, what is this? Why? About a few minutes later, I would look up in the sky and there was a ball of light that worked. Every time I would say go left or right, it would mimic. In my head, mind you, I would say go left and it would actually move left out of the actual tree line. I was there, I come back, go right. And it would do the exact same thing. It would, 
And I would say, okay, stop. And it would stop. Now, this happened for about three or four minutes straight. I'm mesmerized because I was expecting to see a ghost. I saw something else. And then all of a sudden, it started to go come down and it started to get larger. That's when I freaked out. Uh, I hit the I hit the engine, and I only had a Hyundai XL, <laughs> but I ran that four cylinder like a top jack. I ended up trying to go out as fast as I can, um, and I don't know why that didn't stick with me. Um, I didn't really look back into any type of case until 2006. I ended up on some. It was called StumbleUpon.com, and it just all of a sudden, boom! Billy Myers in front of my face, and. From that moment forward, from the information that I saw, uh, my mother worked at IBM. I, I, at 12 years old, I also worked at IBM at a, a summer program. So the Dr. Uh, Marcel Vogel, he was not, it wasn't a foreign name to me. My mother, she was the first woman in the world to start a computer learning center for the execs in Philadelphia in Center City. Um, she would teach, she would have all the newest software. I knew about touchscreens back in the late 80s. And seen them. I knew about laser discs that looked like the size of 45 records. I saw them before they were even a thought into the public eye. I've seen them. So I was when I ended up seeing some of the tech that uh, Dr. Marcel Vogel was using um, to kind of check some of the evidence that Billy had. I knew the man was not, you know, he wasn't a, you know, a false, you know, you know, people try to say that they have a whole bunch of qualifications. No, this guy's a real deal he was the real mccoy and just watching the the eight millimeter film if you look at it logically okay without any type mind you there was no type of photoshop at the time and you're watching some of the movements you're thinking this string would need to be as taut as a a drawbridge cable for it to do what it was doing and you just can't erase that out of an eight millimeter film without leaving evidence. It's physically impossible. Even if you, even if you spent like, apparently Universal Studios got a hold of some of the, uh, <laughs> some of uh, Billy Myers' uh, film, and uh, they said they came convinced. At first, they said, "Okay, Billy, so how do you how do you do it?" He was like, "Well, I just take my camera. They show up, and I take photos." <laughs> they thought there was going to be some type of detailed plan when they started to realize oh, this guy's for real. <laughs> and they were admitting to themselves that they couldn't duplicate it without having like a six-figured studio. And and it, even then it wouldn't be exact. So yeah, very, very much, uh, I'm attached very much to the Billy Meyer case. I, I've seen a lot of beautiful insights. I've had, unfortunately, a lot of friends who ended up looking at me, you know, cockeyed because of it, but it's okay. You know, it's one of those things where you know, not everybody knew that they could fly an airplane, at, you know, at one point in their life either, you know. So back in the late 1700s, you know, if I would have said, look, here's what's going to happen. Not only we're going to be able to fly going from, you know, one colony or one country to another, uh, we're also going to be able to get hamburgers going from drive through in a thing that's called a vehicle where we'd be able to actually grab fast food. What is fast food? Well, it's a hamburger <laughs> that you're actually able to drive up and pick up an order out of a thing that looks like a one-way telephone. What is a telephone? You know what I mean? Like if certain subjects, if they're not talked about, of course, they're going to be unique. Of course, they're going to be almost uh, silly to talk about. But if it's a constant conversation, if it's a conversation that's had even if it's once a week, it starts to become normalized to the point that it's every day. 
how do you think religion happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure at one point, one person said, oh, you definitely lost your marbles. You, you got to do what to, to go where? <laughs> but it became everyday conversation and it became normal. So for what it's worth. I've always said, you know, anything is possible. You're only restricted by your imagination, basically. True. Uh, you, that is true. The trick is to have a, a nice balance between imagination and absolute reality. Uh, you you got to make sure you have a balance to that because, uh, you know, You've seen a lot of wonderful artists go Lulu. You know what I mean? They ended up going, you know, Looney Tunes because they would en- end up so much into the fantasy instead of staying in reality. A lot more people would be surprised that there's a lot more cooler stuff in reality that almost looks like uh, what Stephen Greer says at WSFM, <laughs> but apparently it's connected to our creation. And um, that's what I honor to this day. Uh, the creation is what we should all we mistake god for creation um a lot of people will get upset about that but if you take a deep meditative thought of what creation is and what you perceive god is i think you'll realize that oh i'm just not wording it properly (laughs) but um yeah intrigued by paranormal talk radio you'll love the new paranormal radio app from talk stream live you'll find a great selection of talk shows covering ufos ghosts strange phenomena and much more download the paranormal radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment including the network you're listening to right now the paranormal radio app free in google play and the ios app store When my mother passed away, I, I, she was uh, on the end of her day, she was sleeping on the couch. And um, sure enough, when she passed away, you know, I ended up falling. I ended up laying, you know, on her bed and, you know, it still had her smell, you know. So sure, sure. Um, I was, uh, I fell asleep and it was the most, I was in a very, very vivid dream. Okay. And the best way I know how to describe this on how this felt. So I'm in a vivid dream, and if you imagine almost like a biodome, okay, that's the dream world. All of a sudden, I heard my mother, and my mother, somehow, it felt like she put her head through that bubble and was playing mom. She was still playing mom on the other side when I literally, she would she would wake me up 5 o'clock every morning so I can get my day started. She would scream, Bell! And it would shake through you. It would go through walls. It would go. It would shake your frame, dude. <laughs> and sure enough, in the middle of the stream, I heard that, and I woke up, and I didn't think anything of it at the moment. But I looked up, and sure enough, it was five o'clock on a dot. I started getting ready. I started doing you know my normal ritual stuff just to get myself up and out the door. And by the time I'm out on the road, I reflected and replayed what exactly happened and i broke down crying and i I, you know i was like wow mom still trying to play mom on the other side you know i mean Uh, you know and i wanted for mom to be able to let go you know i mean it's not i wouldn't want to have that type of weight or feeling of responsibility once you're no longer here could you imagine that It, it would be like you know, someone's over in another country, and, you know, and let's say they're drowning and, 
you know, you're shouting from across the ocean, you know, and there's nothing you can do, but somehow miraculously you're able to hear, <laughs> you know, hear a voice. But it's it's really common, you know. I've had countless guests where you know they've they've lost a parent, and the parent has you know has come back in one form or another. Whether it's I, I had a story on not so long ago, and it was a uh, this woman's sister was given birth, and okay. and she said that her sister that was uh, no sorry her sister had literally just given birth uh, by cesarean, and she was saying her sister sat up and said word said words that wasn't that something she wouldn't say. And she believed it was her mo- it was her mother which came came through her and and stuff. So, but countless amount of guests I have talk about parents that have returned. But they, but again, you know, I think you would, wouldn't you? I mean, you you would want to come back to make sure. I mean, in your case, make sure you get out of bed. Yeah, I um, I you asked me earlier, uh, uh, you know, did I always believe? I'll tell you what really made me gravitate to this information. I really knew it was coming. When I was in third grade, actually even earlier, when I was in, when I was about two, I, I, yeah, two years old, I lived in Northeast Philadelphia off Tudor Street, and you can tell in all my baby photos, I was angry. I was very angry. You never smiled at that time. And there was one. I, I was walking in the living room, uh, and I remember like it was yesterday. Now, mind you, this is like I was about two years old at this time. I looked to my left. There's a TV. I looked to my right. There was a couch, and I'm walking in between where I guess the staircase would be, which is probably about three feet past where I was just standing. And as I was walking through the living room, an epiphany hit me at that age. And I literally said these exact words in my head. I said, oh, God, I have another chance. <laughs> exact words. And when I realized exactly what happened, I was living the, the regrets of the previous life. And when I'm telling you that all the weight that was sitting on this two-year-old's shoulders fell off of me like a ton of bricks, I have never felt so light in my life. And now, at two years old, having this, oh, wow, moment, for some reason, I knew I said, I have to remember this. I have to remember this moment. I don't know why. I don't know how, but I need to somehow force myself to remember this moment. And I looked over my right shoulder at the point, and I said, it kind of felt uncomfortable. (laughs) And I looked over my left shoulder at the exact point and moment of where I had that exact feeling. And from that point forward, I used to play a game with myself called Hopscotch. And what I would do is I would try to go back as early as I can okay, in memory, try to put myself in that memory as best as possible as I can, and then try to remember from that moment forward even earlier. And I would do that all the way, and I got myself all the way back to the ending of my last life. Yeah, and a lot of people would scratch their heads to this. I'm telling you this is solid as this wall is. It's what happened. I apparently was not a good person on the, from my last life. I don't know if I, I, I think I was a thief or something to that effect. And the reason why I say that, in the end, I ended up getting a rifle round or a shotgun round in my belly. Uh, I remember being, now mind you, at this age, okay, from like two years old or so, I don't know what a desert area looks like. I don't know what Arizona or Las Vegas looks like. No way. It, I'm, 
I'm watching Sesame Street. I'm watching Duke the Hazard. I'm watching Spider-Man. I'm watching The Incredible Hulk. I remember literally very blotchy at the end of my last life. I was in a hotel motel, and I remember feeling like a million bucks. Like, I, I had no more worries in the world. I From here forward, it's going to be smooth sailing. At least that's what I felt. And all of a sudden, I see the rotary phone, and it was a rotary phone with the curly Q um, cord that connects from the receiver onto the phone itself. It was ringing, and I remember picking up the phone, and I went from complete happiness to sheer dread. I remember hanging up the phone. I remember going into the bathroom. I don't remember what my face truly looked like, but I remember I had kind of shoulder-length blonde hair, kind of scraggly. And um, I don't really remember my face. But after that, I remember being in a vehicle. I remember seeing a vehicle ahead of me in like almost like a Route 66 type of look. And they were parked off in the shoulder. And there was these, it was a black vehicle that was almost like a Cadillac. And there was two people, looked like they were no-nonsense type people. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go any deeper than that. But all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm out of the vehicle. I'm at their side door, okay, and I don't know what the conversation took place, but the guy who shot me was at my vehicle, kind of like at the hood or uh, the front driver tire, and ended up shooting directly at my belly. And I don't remember the pain, but I do remember dropping to my knees and fade to black. That's about all I remember when it comes to that. But then after, there was some other stuff that I'll keep to myself, but the next thing I remember is my eyes were blurry and there were vertical lines in front of me. I didn't know what the hell they were. As my eyes got clearer and clearer, I found out they were crib bars. <laughs> I was in a crib. And then this life took form. But yeah, when I was, and it goes to this, and then I'll leave, I'll leave it at this. When I was in third grade, I was in a heterage day camp with a summer day camp for Christians, apparently. And I was so excited to be there because I was finally going to be able to sit down and talk to someone about this situation that I had. And the best way I know how to describe it as a third grader, want to talk about a letdown. After when they had service and they were done, I ended up talking with the person who had the service and I started explaining it to them what it was. They completely denied my experience, which offended me and pissed me off to a level that, imagine, all of my life from that moment forward. So, imagine that. That's all the time I knew. All of my life at that time, I was ready to speak about this. And they shut it down saying it was the work of the devil or it was a lie and it didn't happen. And I was completely perplexed saying, how could you claim yourself a religion, okay, or, or it's a truth when I have a personal experience that I know without a shadow of doubt happened. It happened. It happened as, as real as this vaporizer that's in my left hand, okay? It happened. And for them to deny me at, at seven, eight years old like that, I at, from that moment forward, I knew it, it, it just was not, no, <laughs> I knew it wasn't all truth uh, from that moment forward. No disrespect to anybody who, you know, who's listening to this at the moment, but it's just 
my life that I've experienced so far. You know what I mean? I can only go on what I've experienced. And yeah, man, I, I couldn't understand. And then I ended up, you know, as I get older, I find out there's other religions around the world that believe in a reincarnation. Uh, some believe that you can reincarnate in animals, which I don't see any type of logic to. They, you know, they're, animals are evolving on instinct. We're evolving on conscience and realization of life versus just living on instinct, you know, what I mean? ooh, fire hot, you know, circling around back to the Edward information. That's how I knew without a shadow of doubt that this was concrete. It hit deep. It hit as deep as any words that has ever hit me in life. In any time I've ever, I, I have multiple books with this gentleman. Every word that I've read from this guy, it rings a bell very deep. It's not just, you know, like, kind of, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. No, it, it's like, wow, okay, well, this is the reason why I'm having these experiences. Or, wow, this is why I'm thinking how I'm thinking. You know, like, it's very deep, in-depth conversations. Now, mind you, he's a one-armed farmer. That's a <laughs> How is this gentleman having all of this type of detailed information when he all he's dealing with, supposedly, is with animals and plants and vegetables and fruit. There's got to be more to it. I'm, you know, and when minus those experiences that I've had, okay, from having the firsthand physical experiences that I've had, it has, I have never had anything in my life ring so true. And you did say that there was going to be a lot of rambling. That's very funny. It's very funny. Sometimes it's it's best to let people just let loose because sometimes you get some accounts and some little quirky stories that probably they wouldn't have shared in any case. So sometimes it's good. <laughs> Your past life, though, have you considered having uh, regression? No, and I'll tell you why. That life has nothing to do with this life, at least not yet. I have a lot more things to learn and grow and evolve on before I'm really, truly human being enough, you know what I mean, evolved enough to really go deep in understanding about my previous life, I'm having a tough enough time with this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like when I, you know, when, yeah, maybe, I, I'm very curious to see in the next life, will I have any remnants of the previous life, this life, or having remnants of the previous life that I was previously discussing, will I still hold on to that? Or will that just be, you know, put into the conscious block, I wonder, you know? Yeah, all very interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously that life was connected to the, the dark underbelly of the underworld. So, but yeah, I mean, but you know these details, so you could probably search it up and you'll probably find uh, a case where someone was shot in the stomach of the roadside. And it was like, man, I had a birthmark on my in my belly, uh, lower right, on my belly for the longest time. Uh, it eventually faded away. I don't know if it's because I came to peace with something. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm ignorant to that type of uh, knowledge. If that's any type of truth connected to that, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, they do, you know, you've heard people talk about things, previous lives, where they would have, something go from uh, one life to the next. For instance, say if they ended up uh, dying, let's say a small box or if they died in a fire, you find out, or, or a plane crash, you find out that they end up hyper, hyper afraid of whatever, you know, 
happened during their previous life? You know, were they uh, buried alive? Were they were they drowning? Were they so scared of water? Why are they so scared of water? Uh, you know, why are some kids so adept to music? But man, I I, I ended up uh, watching a video about uh, a kid who recalled his uh, final flight during World War II, and apparently it was his only, uh, he was the only plane that was supposed to take off, which and he, he was actually able to find who his name was and where he crashed. I don't want to disrespect the story because I don't, I don't want to mess it up, but it, it was, if you ever look on YouTube, it's the boy who remembers Air Force or Air Army Division, you know, career, but yeah, there, apparently there was all the time over in India where there would be kids who would know the exact layout of the previous house they lived in and their wife, who they were with, who just so happened to still be alive at that time, and they would know their name and the details of them. And the only way that they would know that type of information is if they lived with them. Very, very powerful stuff. I was going to say yeah. about that one. Yeah, I, I think the child yeah. wasn't a child from America. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. You nailed it around the forehead. That's exactly right. Mm, yeah, interesting. I mean, there's no yeah. way that child would know know any of that information. No. It just wouldn't be available to him. Right. I remember the mom ended up saying, um, oh, wow, look at the bombs on this. And the kid looked at him at two years old like, mom, that's not a bomb. That's a fuselage. Well, A, how does a two or three-year-old know what a fuselage is, let alone pronounce it? <laughs> you know, come on. There, there's got to be a line where your your logic of one and one and two, you got to be able to put that together without dismissing it. I'm sorry. It, it There's too much of that that is being dismissed. And it's frustrating. Yeah. It really is frustrating. Yeah. I, I, I do find it fascinating, though, when it comes to the children mm. and past lives. Interesting stuff. Yeah. William, I really appreciate you for coming on and sharing that for our listeners. My pleasure was mine. I hope I had a couple of people smile or at least nod their head. Nick, you have a good one. You too. Enjoy enjoy the rest of your day, okay? And I'll talk soon, William. May work day fly by. Have a good one. Bye-bye. That is all for this week. Keep updated and connected with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have an encounter that you'd like to share on the podcast, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com or you can reach out to me via the contact page on my website at ufochroniclespodcast.com. A big thank you to Elise and William for sharing tonight. And as always, thank you all for listening. I will be back next week. Till then, stay safe and keep watching the skies. Goodbye. <laughs>